John Otney. Colin Westman. Matt Kirstens. I am Groot. <laughs> I remember that reference. Sorry, Groot. We don't need your advice for this podcast. We're going to do it on our own. It's the top 10 movies of 2014. You guys excited? I've seen some I, of these movies. I am now. Now that Groot is here. <laughs> yeah, but he's just going to watch. I mean, he doesn't really have much to say, but I am Groot, so. Yeah. Probably best that he watches. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, that's good. Uh, if you guys don't know, you can head over to mildlyplease.com and see our individual lists. Except for except for Nancy, uh, he, he didn't put one together. I, 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 I only you, saw like six movies. Okay, so like the six movies you saw are in contention, right? Well, yeah, no, yeah. You, you saw Godzilla. That didn't make the cut. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Godzilla. Better luck next time. So, um, so you, I guess go to that website that we have if you want to see our individual list. But basically what I did was I took those 20 movies that are on our three lists and put them in a spreadsheet. And we're going to chop 10 of them off and then put the other 10 in an order that we like. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. All right. Hopefully we'll get some more interesting uh Responses to questions as we go on into the podcast. Uh, but Nancy, the first movie on our list is Birdman. What's up with that? It's like this movie about uh, Batman, who is not Batman anymore. He's Birdman. And so he's like old and shit, and he uh, he's like trying to get famous again, maybe. <laughs> and then he like goes on like some punching adventures there's a lot of punching mm-hmm. and uh and then he he uh they say Birdman three times and he haunts a house <laughs> yeah so yeah at the end he does he, go, he finally becomes the Birdman he never wanted to be but perhaps was always destined to be um this is the Michael Keaton joint that everybody's I guess I shouldn't call it a joint because that's like Spike Lee's thing, and he he they, they, he used that for movies he directs. And this this does he it wasn't directed by Michael Keaton; it was starring Michael Keaton. But the play in the movie is directed by Michael Keaton's character. Uh huh, that's true. So we got that to chew. It's on. Close, but not quite. Um, I, I I like this movie a lot for Michael Keaton. You know, it's it's kind of been. It's kind of a thing we're used to now of an actor coming back and playing a role that's like sort of a satire of their own career uh, and making it be awesome. But uh, I still like when that happens. And Mel Keaton's an actor that never quite went away completely. He just kind of transitioned into smaller character roles. 
um, rather than starring stuff. But it's still a great performance from him, and um, especially Edward Norton, I think, is, is really great in this movie. As a, just like, I guess he's not quite a method actor, but... A, I feel like he's pretty method. He does some things that are pretty bad. Uh, okay, <laughs> like when he gets that erection, he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this." That's pretty method. Yeah, but the, I guess the main thing that I liked about uh, this movie is the way that it is shot and edited to make it seem like it's one gigantic long take, uh, full of weird, surreal things. Uh, it it just on a technical level, this movie is incredibly impressive to me as someone who doesn't really know what it takes to make a movie just only superficially understands that process it it's intimidates the hell out of me to imagine trying to do something like this uh so it was, it was a movie i really liked and put it on my list didn't make either of yours guys's uh is it did you guys not like it enough to even make our overall top 10 should i cut it now i liked the movie um i think my two problems were it's a little long. I was a little tired by the end because uh, it's pretty manic. It moves mm-hmm. at a quick pace, and I think that that's good most of the time. But uh, after a while, it just kind of wore me down. And then all that trippy, weird, surreal shit—I'd um, say most of that didn't work for me. I mean, it looked really cool, but I didn't really always understand it. Um, and I, I, I appreciate that certain things are ambiguous, but I don't know. For some reason, I wanted more clarity, or it's just. It's just I don't know, kind of left me somewhere in the middle. But I like the performances definitely. So it's uh, I think I gave it a honorable mention on my list. I think uh, no, I'm with you. I liked it a lot. I guess just the thing about it that I kind of realized, like after thinking, like wow, I like that movie a lot, but there's something I feel like was missing, and it <laughs> it kind of was just the fact that like. Most of the movie is kind of built on cliches about art and actors and the theater. Like, none of it's really, like, incisive, really. I mean, I guess the idea of a guy who plays a superhero in movies, like, trying to prove himself, since it's weird that, like, that is kind of what our (laughs) actors are forced to do, is just, you know, be these fantasy characters... But, uh, uh, yeah, I think just, like, the craft and the performances make it pretty thrilling, even if it maybe doesn't have anything that special to say. Yeah, uh, to talk to that point, um, I felt sort of like this movie was taking on the point of view that this guy's crazy and he ha- like he has all these cliche ideas, ideas, but he's not actually right about anything. But then there's that critic character that's so one note and stupid that I don't that maybe maybe that's not the case and maybe it is just saying like uh, you know any work of art is better than a lack of art or something you know one of those like dumb obvious yeah. insights but that's not even really an insight. Yeah. Um, so I'll leave it on the list for now. Uh, but what can you guys tell me about the movie and the plot of the movie uh, Boyhood? Point at you. Matthew Are we asking Nancy? Yeah, why don't, you, why don't you tell us what's up with the movie Boyhood? Well, it's like basically about this boy that never grows up. Mm-hmm. Like Tuck Everlasting. Pretty much. And like... 
but they filmed it over 12 years, and it turned out it was a real boy that never grew up. So the fiction movie turned into a documentary. Yeah, he lived on 116th Avenue, or Street, or whatever, in Kirkland, Washington. <laughs> okay. 116th My Street? Are you 116th? Yeah. What's, oh, is it 124th? It's <laughs> just got very specific. Like I don't even know what you're I know what you're talking about. about, but yeah, I think that's the next street over. I'm this sorry. is getting incredibly uh, <laughs> obscure reference. It's like so obscure, person. like half the people here. I assume you're <laughs> referencing that kid on our basketball team <laughs> who never grew up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Why, why, did you like see him like years later, and he just was still a little kid? Or because I, <laughs> I remember a joke being about this guy. It seems like Ryan or something. Like, oh, he never grew up. <laughs> I think it's because he he was like on our basketball team, and I guess that was the only team he's on. Okay, so it's because we saw him, but then we never saw him after like youth basketball. Yeah, <laughs> he, he just like, stayed at that. Go like, school us. Yeah, the way we think of him in our minds, he's always 12-year-old Ryan yeah. shooting hoops. Shooting hoops. This is one of the better players on the team. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He lived right by Because he'd been doing it for like 40 years, probably. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you ever go to his house, Sean? I don't remember ever going to his house. I remember I'd like see him outside his house. Because he wasn't allowed to play with the other children because he's like 100 years old. <laughs> yeah. They actually, like, respect that it's weird for an adult in a child's body to, like, interact with children. Unlike Twilight, where it's just like, that's cool. Who cares? Yeah, only in his only interaction with youth basketball. Mm-hmm. He'd need an outlet. <laughs> so, the real movie Boyhood was shot over 12 years. You nailed that. Well done. Except for the whole he doesn't grow up part. That's, like, all he does in the movie. Yeah. That's come my, on. That's my joke. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, I don't. I'm more just interested in why you guys didn't like this movie that much. I feel like a lot of the growing not, up happens in between scenes in this movie. Well, yeah, they're not like filming him growing. Yeah, but when you want him to like physically like get bigger, like in a scene. Okay, first of all, yes. <laughs> Obviously, that's why I like both Hulk movies. It's really gross bigger in a scene. Uh, Is there but, any scenes where he's just, like, jerking it? I don't think there is. No. There's probably scenes where he's definitely, like, thinking about it. <laughs> sure. I remember, I just remember reading a tweet that was like, man, if they filmed... Oh no, that was about Home Alone. Never mind. <laughs> you read a tweet about Home Alone and jerking it. Yeah, the guy was like, if if Kevin McAllister was like three years older, he'd just be jerking it the whole time. <laughs> Crook to be slipping in a slide. <laughs> <laughs> but like, all the traps would be semen related. <laughs> Sean, you were talking about how this movie uh, more of goes for like the moments in between, yeah, you the know, kind of big moments in someone's life, and uh, it makes sense because it's coming from Richard Linklater, and you know he's, he did the 
before series, which is so great at people having conversations kind of just about whatever, but they always have a deeper meaning to it. And here, I wasn't sure that was always the case. I, I, it, some of these scenes didn't resonate with me in the way I needed them to for this movie to be like, you know, the, the obvious best movie of the year for me. It's just... I have so much respect for the like crazy commitment it took to make a movie like this. And there were certainly parts of it that I found very powerful. And I liked the movie a lot. I put it on my list. Um, I just was never as blown away with it as I think I hoped I would have been. I think I'm in a bit of a similar vein. I didn't give it an honorable mention, but had I give... I only did like two or three honorable mentions. It, it probably would have been in there eventually. I did like the movie, but I think it was because of the fact that I definitely did crave those bigger moments. And for me personally, like the best moment, the best scene in the movie is when that dad, that stepdad has like a meltdown. I'm like that's the bigger, like that's like the b- biggest moment for me. Like if I had a couple more stuff like that. Well, but that, that's funny because they did give you literally exactly that again later on in the movie with the second stepdad. That was a little odd. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what do you want? Don't know how to pick them. Well, I I'm guess not saying you I guys didn't like want that. more big showy Oscar moments. I don't. I don't like, want Oscar. This moments. is okay, but I mean, I'm just saying, like a movie, like like I get that this is trying to be like real life, but I mean, not all of that is interesting to me for 162 minutes. Like after a while, it just wore me down. And then the thing is. Even though it goes for those in-between moments, I feel like there's a lot of dialogue that is like really philosophical. That doesn't that though that that does feel like Oscar-y type moments. Like at the end when the kids are on that cliff, and there's some kids like maybe it's just like the moment like takes you. Like to me, that felt like something that someone would not say. That felt like something that a 40-year-old man was writing for a 14-year-old to say. Like, I mean, so. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I that felt fine. I mean, it's just like when you get to college, you want to try to impress people with how deep you are, and that that's just kind of what that stuff felt to me. And I don't know. I always and, like yeah. Richard Linklater's sort of. He always has characters that speak like that. They're always mm-hmm. philosophizing about abstract concepts. I don't know. I like it. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I was I I was never bored by it. Yeah. I always really I loved the smaller attention to detail. It it made it feel I don't know more real to me. Like I was going on this journey in a more sort of intimate way than if uh, like it had gone for every like big celebratory moment in a boy's life. I don't know. It worked for me. It didn't work for you guys. I, I think another thing is I really like when he's a boy. Like, I like the first half. But then when he becomes a teenager, it felt like a more familiar coming-of-age movie to me. I think part of that is because he's a mopey teenager who's kind of a dick. And, yeah, I mean, that's what teenagers are like. That's fair. But then I remember there's, like, there's a scene where a teacher, like, because he wants to be a photographer. He's like, you got to, like... You're like you're just coasting by, man. You got to straighten up, fly right, blah blah blah. You piece of shit. I mean, not quite like that, but and then he goes to like one football game, and he's like, you know, trying to to uh, be more focused, but he still can't. But then like he still goes to like college, and everything's like fine. Like, and then I feel like when he's a kid, there's a scene where he's like 
a teacher's trying to get him to do his homework and he can't do it. So I'm like, oh, he's going to be like a trouble kid. But then I feel like everything pretty much worked out for him his whole life, aside from maybe the breakup with his girlfriend. Like, I, I don't know. I thought it would be better if, if he was more of a fuck-up, maybe, or if there was more consequences. Um, it sounds like my life. It's like, oh, he can't, like do home- can't do his homework. I, I, but I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's yeah, like, I think he is like that kind of kid, like Nancy, who has trouble focusing on some things and then is able to latch on to certain interests and just sort of, like, get by. I mean, that's what we all do. It's like... Yeah. Like, I feel like always, that's more of, always, like... Sorry, it always feels worse. <laughs> like, oh, my God, I'm never going to do anything in that moment when you are a teenager. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, until you realize, well, I'm, you know, like, not in a prison camp and, you know, I'm not homeless, so... Everything's probably going to be okay. I guess I just... I'd rather see a kid who struggles more than a kid... Well, who, yeah, of course we'd all like to in a movie, you know. I mean... It's more entertaining. Yeah. I, I guess I sort of feel like how John feels and how Nancy, I guess, theoretically would feel. <laughs> um, not as severely. Like, I, I think you can make a perfectly... You know, fantastic movie actually, just based on what life is like for most people. And I was so excited watching this because uh, they would just, you know, a scene would just end and another scene would begin, and it'd be a year later, and things would be different. And it was fun to like, okay, here's where he is now, and you can kind of suss out the details of what what has changed. And I love the little uh, bits of pop culture and history that they put into each little scene that help you remember what year it is. Um, you know, it's fun to see them. Like, there's one year where they're putting up signs for uh, John Kerry to get, re- or maybe it was just against George W. Bush uh, in Texas, which is. Is there a scene? Where, is there a scene that's like, oh, I love the vines? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anything quite that precise. The vines are scene... in like the video thing, or like the band. No, the band. Do they play a Vine song in the in the uh, movie? Mm, they could. They <laughs> might. It's very uh, <laughs> period specific soundtrack. Lots of rock songs from the early to you know early early two thousands to early teens. Uh, but okay, but uh, on top of like enjoying that format so much and. Largely enjoying watching the movie and liking it enough to put it on my top ten list of the, all like my favorite movies of the entire year. I just don't have any motivation to ever come back and see this movie again. I just feel like I I heard the story and he grew up and I grew up and now we're grown up and let's move on. I uh, really want to see this movie again. <laughs> Maybe it's just a difference of what we want out of a film. I, I don't know. Quite possibly. I feel like I could definitely find lots of different tiny things that I can pick out of this movie by watching it again. And you just... If you want to watch a movie for a second time, it's just because you want to put it on and be entertained, I guess. It seems to be the case with all the Blu-rays you own. Or yeah, you pretty much all action movies. You're such a dick, Sean. Well, I feel like I have to be on the defensive with this movie because it's like so weird to me that I well, don't know. I think I think it'll be on our top ten. I mean, I don't know why you're alone. I don't know why you're fighting Sean. He put it on his goddamn top ten list. 
But well, it's I, I think just the thing 10. is, is I think everyone recognizes that it's good. Um, I guess I just wanted to like say why well, I don't think it's quite as good as some people say. But you know, everyone's going to tell their opinion. That's totally fine. I mean, this movie's probably going to win Best Picture at the Oscars this year, and that's cool. And I think it will make this list we're putting together. I just I thought it'd be fun, maybe not fun, but you know, interesting if we had more of a back and forth on it. You know what sounds really fun, sure. though? Is it makes me understand better. I was yeah. curious. What I think is going to be a lot of fun is listening to Nancy guess his way through the plot of Calvary. So this is a... I could do this. This is the fourth movie of the Toy Story uh, franchise. <laughs> it's uh, based on one of the the green uh, soldiers from, from Risk. You know, Calvary. <laughs> And not, like, okay, not cavalry. <laughs> what did I say? Ca- there's a different. That's that's cavalry. <laughs> what is this? Calvary. <laughs> I don't know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Call, I've never uh, heard of the movie. Uh, it's it's, it's like, like a. To take this it's like a priest or something. Maybe fight some demon demons. No, no, no! You're getting confused with I Frankenstein again. Wait, has Colin not seen this either? No, I no, think only I John has seen this. I you, really want to see it. I don't even know. Heard of it, Colin? I've heard of it. I just don't. I haven't seen it. But your your guess is fighting. Like demons. I don't. I don't really know what it's about either. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Is it better than that Anthony Hopkins movie Priest? Priest. I don't know what that is. Are you sure that's the title of that movie? No. I'm like <laughs> 60% sure it is, though. I think I know you're talking about, but I don't know if it's called that. Anyways, these, none of these guests... I, mean, I guess it does have a priest. We're close in that. And it was in my most anticipated films list at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And Calvary is the latest from Irish filmmaker John Michael McDonough. And he made The Guard with Brendan Gleeson a couple years ago. And this is with Brendan Gleeson again. Mm-hmm. And Brendan Gleeson plays a priest. And the opening scene of the movie is he's in a church confessional. And then a guy who we don't see says that he's going to kill him. Not because he's done anything wrong. I mean, this, this guy who threatens him says, like, a priest raped me when I was, like, a kid. And now I want revenge. But I'm going to take it out on someone who hasn't done anything wrong. And... That's kind of hard to wrap your mind around, but you kind of go through the whole movie trying to figure out what that what that means. Or, or, or there's some like really heavy themes here, and I feel like I'm not nearly articulate enough to communicate them properly. So I'm not going to try. Uh, but so I'll keep it brief. Uh, but basically, the rest of this movie, Brendan Gleeson is just trying to decide: Am I going to fight back? Am I going to leave town? And should I? continue to try and fulfill my duties as a priest to the people in town and everyone in this town is like super fucked up they got lots of like problems uh little finger from game of thrones is in this okay. he's like a he's like a surgeon who always needs someone to talk to about like all the dark shit he's seen and chris o'dowd plays a like a butcher and he's comic relief so colin and, colin hmm? little finger that's tommy carchetti from the wire Wow. He's got to keep calling up to date on these actors. And oh, by the way, uh, the priest or, or priest was like a Paul Bettany action movie. There was a priest, and Anthony that, Hopkins priest. Movie. That movie was called The Right, uh-huh. and both of them came out in 2011. Hey, is that the right R I T E? 
Yes. Good. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Back to this movie. But yeah, big ensemble cast. Even M.M. at Walsh is in here for some reason as an old writer. Must and be a really old writer. Like ancient. <laughs> like 800 years old. It's like a pile of dust. He's a, he's a, like he, doesn't, he doesn't stand a lot in this movie, but he's there. But most of the, scene, or most of the scenes in the movie are uh, basically just Brendan Gleeson interacting with all the people in town, kind of learning about who they are. And as, you know, uh, the audience, as we're watching, we're kind of trying to put together who could have threatened him. Is it someone in this town? And I won't spoil who did it, and I won't spoil the end, but it's it's thrilling. It's very it's very engaging, and there's some great, some powerful themes going on here. So I'm not surprised to hear it's powerful, but it is a McDonough movie. So I got to ask: Is it funny? It's not. It's much more of a drama than it is a comedy. There's a little bit of humor, but I'd say it's pretty much a drama. So if you like, uh, like uh, if, if you're thinking more in the vein of like In Bruges or like his brother's films, like it's not quite as comedic as those. It's 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 a little more serious, mm-hmm. but it's it's still got some humor, definitely. Especially like Chris O'Dad. <laughs> so much Chris O'Dad humor. Apparently. Yeah. Um, do you like it uh, enough to leave it in contention? Or are you going to ask a legitimate question, Cole? No, of course not. I don't think we need to. To the have second it in part. <laughs> and the first, apparently. You can cut you guys, it. You guys want uh, me to talk about Dawn of the Planet of Apes or should Nancy? Uh, did Nancy see this one? Yeah, he did. Okay. Yes, Alright, so it's up to you, Cole. What does that mean? I bet he did. <laughs> you like the first one a lot. I know what you not like. Not the first one, but the last one. How do you know I didn't like the first one? Well, I think you did like the first yeah, one, I, didn't you? Yeah, but, that's what I said. But, yeah. okay, but I, I think you like the first one, but in relation to this, uh, you like the last one because it, this one's a, a direct sequel to that. To, to, to I'm that. just putting you all on blast right now. This franchise is so <laughs> difficult to explain to people. Colin? Yeah, or Colin, go with the you know, the idea that no one knows what we're talking about. Like no one's seen any of these movies. Uh, so then I gotta give context for like the original Planet of the Apes movie. No, because you're just guessing what it what it is, right? I guess, but I feel like I saw so many trailers for this movie. Yeah, you know what it means. They're just like in the woods, and they're like, "Who's they?" Like Jason Clark and uh, who was the older guy? It wasn't Brian Cranston? Was Gary it? Oldman? Gary Oldman. <laughs> Similar. For a second, I was like, "Was it Brian Cranston?" Because <laughs> <laughs> Godzilla. Probably. Probably. CG monsters. CG. And they're just like in the woods, and they're like, "We gotta fight these monkeys." Whoa! They just talk about fighting. Monkeys, monkeys. have tails, Colin. What's asshole. the title of the movie, man? Is it Dawn of the Planet? Rise of the, of the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Is that it? No. What did you guys talk about since you love it so much? I don't know why. Like this is on this list. <laughs> okay, is John. Like I thought it was really good. <laughs> It got pretty good reviews. Yeah, I mean, I don't care. I, th- I mean, I, care. Thought was, I thought it was fine. Well, it's good. I think... But, like, I thought it was just as good as, like, Godzilla. Well, that is a... That's stupid. 
Right. I mean, what was a much great... smarter movie than Godzilla? I mean, because it has good characters, which is yeah. the one thing Godzilla didn't have. Yeah, whatever. I mean, what's interesting <laughs> about Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? First of all, I think it's really bold to make the apes basically the main characters of the movie. Half of the movie is the apes' perspective with subtitles. Mm-hmm. Like that is not something you'd normally see in a blockbuster, and they. And this, you know, them fighting against the, like, humans, it's not just for, like, we need world domination. Like, all these uh, encounters come out of, like, very real, uh, I don't know, like, uh, it's hard to explain. Yeah, it's just defense. It's just defense. And it's kind of just, like, a series of uh, misunderstandings that lead to these these battles and wars and, and stuff. And, like... I mean, that makes you think, like, that's how it happened with, like, the Native Americans, kind of. I mean, not quite, but, you know, it's like, it's like a lack of communication is what is, like, the biggest problem in society. That's what creates rivalries and divisions between people. And I just think it's, it tackles some really interesting themes. It's not just, like, a dumb action movie. Like, it, it, it has a good head on its shoulder. And, um, I mean, aside from that, you got the great effects and all the apes. I mean, they don't always look entirely real, but they look pretty good. I mean, good enough for me to, like, look at that. Like, that's a character. I'm following him. Especially the real close shots, I felt, looked really good. Those, and also everything about that orangutan. I don't know why he is (laughs) so good, but he does. Well, he's my favorite character in the first movie. He's awesome. Okay, isn't that an amazing thing, that they brought back all the apes from the first movie, and it made sense, and it works? Like, who even remembered them all? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I just remembered him, because he's the only one. (laughs) Yeah, one of a kind. There's only 500 apes, and there's only eight orangutans in the world. Yeah, yeah. I forgot, if I recall. I forgot the stats. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, what what I loved about this movie is how, it, uh, for lack of a better word, how great it did humanizing all of its characters. Uh, I mean, obviously, Caesar's a little saintly, and uh, Jason Clark's character's like the most understanding guy in the world. Brian Cranston. Brian <laughs> <laughs> Gary Oldman's a like, total asshole. Gary Oldman's a total asshole, except there's that one scene when they get the power back and he turns on his iPad and you like you, you see what he looks what he does with his iPad, uh, and then you can imagine like the the kind of turmoil he's been through. In I think they, it's like a ten year gap between these two movies, and, and what and what that has done to him and how it's affected him. You kind of understand where he's coming from and why he wants to do what he ends up doing in this movie. And, yeah. the, and the same is true for the evil ape, uh, Koba. You know, there's that scene where they're like, what's your deal? Why can't you trust humans? And he's like, because humans like did horrible shit to me for a long time. And he's like all scarred up because of it. He's like experimented on it or something. I don't know. Yeah, man. I don't remember. <laughs> man, this, all the themes made such an impact on you. Yeah. And then the Carrie Russell, she just like has a single tear run down her face every single scene she's in in the movie. So you know it's pretty real, pretty raw. And I think it one-ups the previous one because it doesn't have to uh, go into the science of anything. You know, mm-hmm. That's all in the past. You can just concentrate on the characters and their personal struggles. Why, do, why does everyone hate science so much? It's not that people hate science. It's just when you, when you basically make up like a kind of science, like like something that could never happen, it it'll always sound ridiculous. And the thing about these movies, especially, is they they take things pretty seriously. So then, when you hear a little bit of ridiculous science, it just doesn't fit with everything else. 
You know, if these movies were played more over the top, it'd probably work, but they're played pretty stone-cold serious. Yeah. And I think that works a lot better in, in this one than in the previous one. Yeah, I, I didn't soup, like really care for the, the first one too much, but uh, I really like this one. Uh, just like another movie on this list, the next one, uh, The Edge of Tomorrow. You, you caught up with this one yet, Nancy? God, it sounds so familiar. Well, it's also known as All You Need Is Kill, and it's oh. also known as Live, Die, Repeat. Yeah, this is the one I, I really wanted to see, and I never did, because I was like, I don't want to see this movie. You know? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you, like, really wanted to see it, but not, like, really, really, and, like, not enough well, to like, drive to the theater. Well, like, I saw the trailer, and I was like, okay, whatever, this is dumb. And then everyone's like, this is the greatest movie you'll ever see. And I just couldn't. Were most of those people Sean? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. One, the majority. 100%. <laughs> okay. But I mean, I did hear it was like, you know, everyone's saying it's real good. But it's like Groundhog Day or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like Groundhog Day with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. All you need is kill. <laughs> right? It's so good. I, read, I went back and read that shit because it's. With a title like that, how could I resist? Do you want to guess at the plot at all? Besides it being Groundhog Day-like? No. Okay. Well, I'll tell you. It's about uh, Tom Cruise is this uh, like military PR guy who uh, fucks up real bad and ends up on the front lines of like basically the D-Day of this war uh, that's going on between humans and aliens on Earth. Uh, you know, complete, it's it's so D-Day that they're, like, landing in France um, from big carriers. So, uh, he's in, like, a robot suit, and he kills this monster, and the, the monster bleeds on him, and that's, and uh, it's, it's, it's a really special monster that when it dies, it can go back in time, thanks to this other monster. And so he gets that power, too. Um, and, it, it, like, this is, this is definitely a movie where you have to... You have to just go with it, which is the hardest thing in the world for me to do. So the fact that I could just go with it in a time travel movie that also uses weird alien science, I think speaks to the narrative momentum that they have and the just the quality of the editing uh, that makes that just helps you accept what's going on, um, even though when they explain it, you can't because it's dumb. Um, there, there are some really fantastic sequences in this movie where um, you see Tom Cruise die over and over and over in horrific ways. But also you see Tom Cruise learning from those experiences and becoming better at fighting these aliens uh, with his sweet robot suit and later on just with like guns and swords and stuff. Um, and Emily Blunt is in this. She plays a character called the Full Metal Bitch, which is a very like Japanese name to give a character but it's awesome uh, and she goes around in a robot suit she doesn't even use guns, she uses a helicopter blade as a sword, because that's fucking sweet and she does sexy push-ups uh, and this I feel just, like you usually complain about sexy push-ups yeah, well, it's it's not, it's not like overtly yeah, it's sexy. not super gratuitous, but it's like, yeah alright, she's just like doing that push-up and you're like, eh, that's kind of sexy and they show it a bunch of times <laughs> that too <laughs> Uh, but I just I really really enjoyed watching this movie. Um, 
uh, just tried to capture that high again all year, and it could not happen for me. So ended up on my list. Sean is always talking about movies like there's some kind of drug. (laughs) That's oh man, I just want this robot shit. (laughs) (laughs) Give me the robot shit. Give me that shit. Inject it right into my arm. I was looking for that next fix of robot shit. <laughs> Inject that robot shit into my arm. That's the plot to the next Transformers. <laughs> God, I wish. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg becomes a Transformer. Transformer. <laughs> I'm a Transformer. <laughs> Let's do this. Oh, that'd be pretty sweet. Um, yeah, I like this movie. It was pretty fun and entertaining and a good whatever, late May, early June movie. Mm-hmm. Had a good time. Uh, I feel like one thing I've heard people say about it is it's, like, one of the best movies that sort of captures what it is to play a video game. Do you think that has anything to do with your enjoyment of it? I guess it's... I guess they're, they're leeching onto the idea of, like, in a You're video, learning in a video and game, getting better yeah, you, it, yeah, you, like, die, and, like, oh, shit, and you try it again, and you eventually get good at it. Uh, but to me, that's like a horrible insult to sling in a movie. That it's like a video game. I did, I did not get that vibe. Um, maybe uh, it's just because I like to. Even you can't look at that in like a good way as someone who champions video games. Uh, well, to me, it's it's more like what makes a video game good is the interactivity. So, mm-hmm. like anything that's like a video game. To that, you, but you're just watching it, like okay. So I'm thinking, like fucking, like you're watching Solid Snake again because that guy, like you barely get to control him. It's it's to me, it's not a video game experience if you're watching it. It's just a totally separate thing. I don't, I don't know. That's a, I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> yes, what I'm talking about, Gone Girl. Oh wait, before we move on, Bill Paxton, he's just slam dunking in this movie. <laughs> Sure. Like literally, as, as angry general <laughs> basketball, who's, who's very good at basketball, slam dunking a human head, <laughs> not an alien head. Whoop! There it is. No. He's teaching the troops a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> this this private got on my bad side, so I fucking ripped his head off. All right, but I already spelled it. Next movie is Gone Girl. Did you see this one, Matthew Carstens? I did. All right. Uh, uh, that means we all saw it. <laughs> Damn it! This perfect plan we had. Uh, Nancy, give me your top five differences between Gone Girl the movie and Gone Girl the book. I didn't read the book. <laughs> um, I can guess that the book. Ow. Your dog humping you again? No, I just been... aggressively. Are you trying to read the book? You got a paper cut? Yeah, I was like, Ugh, I gotta pages, read this book. Pages are sharp. I'm glad I didn't read that book. My mom's like, yeah, I read the book and it totally ruined it. <laughs> Did you have that experience, John? Uh, as someone who read the book before the movie, I can tell you that it ruins all the surprises because, <laughs> I mean, when you asked. Nancy named five differences. I don't think I could name one difference, and I read the book. <laughs> I mean, this, the writer of the book also wrote the screenplay to the film. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's a very faithful adaptation. And I think it's one of those things where I will enjoy it more 
the uh, the second time I see it. But I definitely enjoyed it the first time. I put it on my top ten just because I think it is a great kind of mid-movie twist or, you know, mid-story twist or whatever. So that's what I wanted to, to bring up. Do you think that twist happened at the right time for the movie and did it happen at the, roughly the same time in the book? It happened at the same time in the book. I was like... I had no idea how they were going to do it. Because, you know, the the book, it goes back and forth between what's going on in the present and then diary entries. And I was like, how are they going to do it? And they pretty much did it the exact same way. I don't think it's quite as shocking in the movie, but I I don't know because I read the book. I knew they were coming after I, I saw it, how the movie was going to be formatted. I mean, I thought it was pretty shocking. Maybe just because, like, I knew what it was about going in. Like, oh, he murders, maybe he murders his wife. No one knows, blah, blah, blah. But, like... I had no idea that there was going to be a twist, and I, mm-hmm. it was just like, man, it was flooring. Um, I think maybe just because like I, I, I was, I was just waiting for the scene where she dies, you know, because mm-hmm. I thought they were going to show it, and then after a while, I, there, they had a certain format to the movie that was going back and forth between the diary, and I thought it was just going to be, I thought. I was never going to actually meet her, you know? Yeah. I, I, I didn't think that was going to happen. And then it did, and then the whole movie just changes. Yeah. Because like, I have this conception in my head that it's going to play out this way, and it's, this is, like, the style of the movie, but then it, like, turns into a real movie. Uh, well, I don't... See, I... I the words real movie are kind of troubling to me. Cause, it was so realistic. Uh, oh, it was super realistic. Oh, <laughs> um... But I just mean, like, not going back and forth and narrated stuff and, you know. I could have gone for a little more of that. To me, the twist happened too early. Some of, some of Ben Affleck's scenes, I think, would have been better if, as an audience member, I still had that uncertainty about what had happened. Because at the halfway point in this movie, they we've kind of spoiled it, but to be as vague as possible, they reveal what's going on, and it becomes uh, a different game of... Instead of... Uh, well, I wonder what happened. You're, you're asking, I wonder how this is going to play out. Uh, which it, it is. It feels like a different kind of movie. But I got used to that idea, and then I got pretty into it. As It became more of like, okay, well, not, now I actually have a side that I'm on, and I'm, I don't know what they're going to do. And Tyler Perry's here, and that's kind of fun, surprisingly. I don't know. I, I thought it was fine that... I liked the movie better once it got going like that. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I wasn't really feeling the whole back and forth thing. Mm-hmm. Colin, you want to weigh in? I think I, th- <laughs> I think I was feeling the first half of it. But, uh, no, I, I guess I, I didn't see where it was going to. I guess just because the movie does get into its own sort of rhythm and you kind of sort of feel like it is going to be a... More of a mystery that unfolds in a conventional kind of way, and then yeah, it totally breaks its own rules and mythology in half at, in the middle of the movie. And I think, like, like I wasn't even sure what to think of that whole change. Like the first time I saw it, because I remember having the conversation with you, Sean, where you were like, "Did you like that?" And I was like, "I'm not really sure." <laughs> Because I just kind of had to, like, go over, like, did all that, like, check out? Did all of that, like, <laughs> all, all those weird, I don't know, twists and turns and 
happenstance that ha- happens in the second half did it all work and i think it did yeah i, I think it was really thrilling yeah. the way the movie pulled the rug out from under you like that i think definitely some of the best sequences in the movie come after the twist like probably the, mm-hmm. the most memorable scene in the movie is uh the scene at neil patrick harris's place to put it vaguely mm-hmm. i think we can fucking spoil it who is listening to this that hasn't seen it? <laughs> oh, you never know. Maybe there's the one. Yeah, well, fuck it. All right. <laughs> with the, the, uh, the scene with the box cutter. With oh, shit gets real. Mm-hmm. In a way that we hadn't seen, at least, in the movie. Yet, although we'd, it had been theorized. Hypothesized. Mm-hmm. Great. Realized. Great supporting cast of this movie. Uh, Kim Dickens. Just bringing it as detective lady. Yeah, I was not about her. Not about Kim Dickens. She's a bitch. But she's she's like the good cop. Yeah, but she's like, I just feel like she's so convinced that he did it. Like, I would say she's the least convinced that he did it of all the people in the entire world. Well, yeah, you know, eventually, but Except like for his sister. Yeah, she doesn't really sure. give him that big of a chance. I feel like until like oh whoops yeah you're right you didn't do this. She doesn't give him a chance, but she also doesn't, you know, aggressively well, she does, prosecute him until she doesn't. Well, that's because she can't because like she knows. Yeah, it's, but it's like, but I think you, you have, but she wants to. She, but she she has that she's she's good enough at her job that she's not letting her personal feelings get in the way of this. Well, when you look at his at her partner. That guy's like, fuck this asshole. Like, can't you enjoy anything, you stupid son of a bitch? Like, that guy sucks. He's- well, that's because he's not a main character. <laughs> but he sort of is. I mean, he's, he's, he shows you what Kim Dickens could have been like if she wasn't so on point. Yeah. And let's not forget Casey Wilson as idiot neighbor. We're going to actually, like, directly call her that in the movie. Which is awesome. Uh, and I especially loved Missy Pyle as... Uh, the, the t- Nancy Grace, yeah, as Nancy Grace, basically, yeah, <laughs> uh, armchair prosecutor. So good, such a vicious skewering of not just an industry, but a, an individual, very specifically. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. Moving on to the Grand Budapest Hotel. See this one, Matt. Yes. Cool. Uh, remember what it's about? Yeah, it's about some weird guy in this hotel. I had, like, not slept for, like, 30 hours because I was on the plane back from Japan. Okay. <laughs> it was okay. Well, I also saw it when I was really tired. I don't know why. At, like, 11 o'clock after waking up at 4 a.m. I feel like that just yeah. happens with you and Wes Anderson movies. <laughs> what happens? You just are not quite in the right state of mind. Like I remember, yeah, this is we just because I fell asleep in Fantastic Mr. Fox. It was Thanksgiving, <laughs> all right? It happens. In what state did you see Moonrise Kingdom? Uh, well, I've been playing Uncharted all day. Uh-huh. But I was like, I can't just play Uncharted all day. <laughs> So then, pretty late, me and Paul went to the movies, and it was the summertime. So I was probably pretty tired during that one. <laughs> okay. But I liked all those movies. I liked this one, too. It it 
it does some uh, pretty impressive things, like all Wes Anderson movies. I mean, from an artistic standpoint, it's impressive. The cast is great. I like that weird kind of flashback within a flashback that kind of gives it a, a feel of like a, you're reading a book, uh, which I feel like is a style that a lot of Wes Anderson movies kind of give off. Was it two flashbacks or three flashbacks? It was two. Two? Because you have the, there's, per, there's a person who opens a book uh, at like Jude Law's grave, and then it goes to the Jude Law era, and then there's the one before that, okay. which is with Ray Fiennes. So if, and that was pretty interesting. In Inception levels, this would be the snow level. This is the well. I don't. It only went one further in Inception, okay. right? Yeah, and even in his, oh, so even Inception only went one further. Yeah. Shows you how. So this is pretty yeah, close. Yeah. This is the this is Wes Anderson's Inception. <laughs> I never thought about it that way for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I think my only. I mean, I, I like the movie. I think my only problem why I didn't have it on my top ten is, um. It felt a little pretentious. <laughs> all Wes Anderson like all, yeah. pretentious, but this one feels a little like pretty hoity-toity, and that like, is part of its charm. But also, like I also feel like a distance to it. You know, like these aren't real people to me. They feel like very much like characters in a play or in a book or something. They don't. They don't feel as human to me. I guess, but I feel like that's exactly what they're going for. I think mm-hmm. that is partly what they're going for, and I mean, I think yeah, it's each his own. Some people will. I think kind of appreciate that more and some people will probably feel a little bit more of a distance and not quite um, as close a connection to the characters. And I think that's kind of where I am. That's fair. Um, if To me, it was just like really great to see a movie that felt more like a Wes Anderson comedy than the kind of thing he'd been doing for a while. Like, uh, I guess... Probably Life Aquatic was the last one that I thought of as as a really funny movie. Since then, you didn't think Moonrise is funny? I really liked Moonrise. I don't remember laughing too much at. It. I remember being more into the just like the weird adolescent drama. I, I it felt fairly similar to me. Okay, I don't think Wes Anderson tends to deviate that far from his style, his mood. Hmm. I, I feel like the tone here was like a lot more in just like for the sake of fun and <laughs> entertaining an audience more than say a Moonrise Kingdom where it is sort of trying to do more character driven stuff which I don't know I never really like get into <laughs> whenever Wes Anderson does that stuff like he seems like so much more of a craftsman to me and a guy that loves just like I don't know, creating these worlds, even if like the characters might seem like a bit more of an afterthought for these worlds. But that's kind of what I loved about this is like, there's so much attention to this old timey European world. And the plot too is so like carefully constructed that, uh, I don't know. I just had a lot of fun with it. And, like, even though he doesn't pay as much attention to the characters in this movie, like, Ralph Fiennes is, like, bringing so much to this main character that it, like, totally made up for that. And, like, he gave it a heart even when, like, it was a little more <laughs> concerned with plot and and set design. But, no, I, I love it. It might be my favorite Wes Anderson movie. 
Really? Even more than, like, Rushmore? Like, that's the only one that would be in competition, I think. See, Rushmore is my favorite because when I was talking about characters, that's the one where I most feel like a a living, beating person, not a character in a dollhouse. Yeah. I mean, I like all... I think I just... I like just about all of Wes Anderson's movies, but his early ones still resonate with me the most. But I think this is still very good. I don't think he's made... At least in my opinion, a bad film yet. Mm. Just because of that, I'm, I'm, I mean, that's just my opinion. Just because of the amount of detail he puts in, there's too much work for him to make it all, those all bad decisions, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I just like we were watching uh, part of Darjeeling Limited a little while ago, and it's like just all these characters just, like moping around. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> like seeing a Wes Anderson that's. So much more inspired to, I don't know, just create something fun and, like, really stimulating. Because he's pretty good at it. Good at putting together a good cast, too. Yeah, everyone's great. Even if, like, I feel like everyone has a very small part, but, like, they all make it worth it. I feel like this was originally supposed to star Johnny Depp, which I feel like... In retrospect, would have made it worse. It would have just been Mordecai. Yeah, would have been (laughs) Mordecai. (laughs) So we dodged a bullet. I think we did. God, for Ray Fiennes. People hate hate Johnny Depp, man. Well, I mean, did you hear recently how he's just like, I don't give a shit anymore. (laughs) I just don't fucking care. Which, on one hand, it's like, wow, good good for him. He's just doing it because whatever, for the lulls. But at the same time, it's like, that's so sad. But you just don't care anymore. John, you should never be doing an artistic thing for the lulls. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, he's probably having fun, at least, sometimes. Maybe. I'm sure he enjoys his... He seems like a sad cloud underneath all that mugging that he does in Mordecai. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he enjoys it. But I don't... It's, it's been a while since he's had a good movie. What, the first Pirates of the Caribbean, maybe? That's when we were all like, he's genius. That was a while ago. <laughs> yep. That was like 12 years ago, practically. Ooh. Well, maybe he'll come through in the Alice in Wonderland 2. On maybe. that bizarre note, how about Guardians of the Galaxy? It's kind of like the Alice in Wonderland of space. Explain. <laughs> well, there's a bunch of weird alien people. Like in Alice in Wonderland, how they're... Tweedledee and Tweedledum. In this movie, it's it's not like Alice. There's Rocket Raccoon. I don't have a good I don't have a good answer for you, but I guess I'll make those loose connections. I feel like I've talked about this movie a lot. Maybe I haven't, but uh, I guess I'll say again. What I like about it is it turns the Marvel formula, which for the most part it sticks to, like plot wise, Uh but it kind of turns it on its head uh, tonally when uh, a scene will be dramatic, and then it'll shift right to comedy, mid-scene. I mean, like, the last confrontation oh, yeah. of this movie between the bad guy becomes funny. And it's those breaks away from your kind of typical stuff, which isn't bad, but it's those breaks away from it that I feel like make it better than those other films. Because it's funny, because it's different, it has a sense of humor. And you like the characters. They're not just... I don't know. They're they're uh, they're they're not... They're troubled. You know, they're, they're all kind of Misfits, and that's always appealing in any movie. It's it's an interesting challenge because uh, you know there's there's the first Marvel movie where I think most people have no idea who these characters are. 
I certainly don't. I have no idea if these depictions of them in the comics are anything like what they are in, in the movie. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, and I don't really care. Is that okay? Am I allowed? It doesn't seem like something that should be true about me. But I well, don't. I feel like the source material isn't that good, <laughs> but they, they somehow turned it into something good. Yeah. Look at that. Which, uh, that probably doesn't happen very often. And I think a big part of that is James Gunn. I mean, he comes from a background that is so different from a lot of these other Hollywood guys. I mean, he was working for Troma, you know, under Lloyd Kaufman, writing and directing movies for him. And now he's directing a blockbuster. And he's got such a dark sense of humor and and a love for pop culture. And I think that really shows through here in a really fun way. And... Um, I mean, Chris Pratt. Everyone loves Chris Pratt. He's mm-hmm. a perfect choice. I, I, I seem to recall James Gunn saying, like, even if he didn't lose weight, no, I'm casting him. He's he's too good. He's too likable. He's too funny. It's weird because I feel like I heard somewhere else that the role almost went to, um, I forget the actor's name, the Dennis from It's All Sunny in Philadelphia. Glenn Howerton? Yeah. I feel like I read somewhere that he was, like, pretty close to getting the role of Star-Lord. Glenn Howerton's too creepy. Yeah. But I remember hearing that, too, actually, now when I, when I think back. I'm glad it didn't yeah. because Chris Pratt has a warmness to him, like a like a teddy bear. Like you want to hug him. I think it helps that he already had Parks and Rec under his belt. Mm-hmm. The other great member of the cast for me is the wrestler Batista, Dave Batista. Oh, he's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this is clearly someone who's not like a great actor, but they found a great kind of like. Uh, Work for him, and that he, he, doesn't, he doesn't act to emote that much. Well, that's my favorite part. Oh my god, I love the literal stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so funny. Over that's my head, nothing gets over my head. <laughs> I'm too, I'm too fast. I'll catch it. Really, the only thing working against the movie is once again, it's a Marvel movie about like there's like a magical shape that. You can control the universe or something. Yeah, I didn't get anything. The bad guy <laughs> wants it so he can, like, just be powerful. Like, it's very generic. And I feel like that's probably in part to, like, Marvel's, like, hey, you, there's certain, like, things you have to follow because we're trying to put together a universe here. Y- yeah, I feel like part of it is they, since they had to introduce so many characters because they started this as a team because, you know, fuck doing each of these characters individually. Um, <laughs> that I think they had. The beginnings of interesting villains, but they just did not get the time to actually make them, and so we just had like the the sort of cliche, just tough lady stereotype character, mm-hmm. and then the power hungry villain, and then and you know Josh Brolin. They're trying to keep him interesting because he doesn't actually get his movie for another like five years, but he's here already. That was weird. Now that I think about that, why did they do that? It was weird, isn't it? I don't know. Um, and I do kind of worry that, like, so far the most memorable Marvel villains have been Loki and no one else. Because they made a lot of movies. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> <funny. laughs> uh, yeah, I can't think of anyone else from these, these current Marvel movies that's a great villain. Yeah, I mean, they're all just very serious and want very generic things. But what I did like, I think, in Guardians that worked is... It kind of made a, a nice contrast between Star Lord and Ronan the Accuser. Like when they finally meet up, it's like they're from two different movies. Ronan yeah. 
is very serious and Star-Lord is not. Mm-hmm. So that I kind of enjoy. But any scene that's just Ronan by himself, <laughs> I was like, okay, some kind of suit of makeup. I don't care. Just cut away. I don't – this is boring. And also the action scenes, all, after a while, like I – it was just like a bunch of shapes. It's like – I just couldn't like focus. It, it, I, the action wasn't spectacular to me. I feel that way in a lot of the Marvel movies though. It's not usually – something that totally like sinks the ship for me but it's it's definitely something i feel like they can improve on or just like there doesn't have to be a huge war at the end of every movie yeah so i think they did really great at the hand-to-hand combat scenes it's just the there's two spaceship battles in this movie and neither of them are interesting yeah especially spaceship battles in this movie there's there's the first spaceship (laughs) battle where, where they're in the escape pods and that ends with zoe saldana like being out in space Remember that? That was a weird scene. And then oh. at the end of the movie, there's the part where all the spaceships are fighting each other, and then they beca- they form a big net. And okay, I remember that. <laughs> I don't remember the first one. You don't remember the first one? <laughs> no. It's pretty brief. Okay. They're in, they're in escape it's pods, a, and they don't have guns, they, so they just drive they, into them. It's when they break out of prison. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. But <laughs> I, I like that movie a lot. Score... Or if you can even call it that, I guess just the soundtrack. Soundtrack, yeah. It's real good. Oh, yeah. Inspired me to make my own 70s pop playlist afterwards. Just in my head. It's just uh, inherent joy in listening to that kind of music. Absolutely. Just like there's an inherent vice in the movie Inherent Vice. They actually have one. It's not just the universe title. No. Nancy, what do you think of this movie's plot? Oh, my God. We're going to be here all night long. I don't think I could explain the plot to you. Uh, go. Go explain it briefly. Film noir, no one knows what happened. (laughs) So what do you think about Interstellar? (laughs) That's pretty good. Colin, you gotta justify inherent vice. It didn't make John or my list. I like. I don't think I can really. Like, I liked it, but I I completely like understand that people don't like how incredibly confusing it is. And I'm I don't know. I'm usually okay with those kinds of detective novel type plots where you have to keep track of so many things that are happening uh, off screen. Um, I like it when movies sort of force you to try and, like, pay as much attention to everything as possible. And this is one where I feel like you can't even, like, do that. I mean, maybe on a second viewing, which I'd like to see it again. But I, I don't know. I enjoyed it for all the other things going on, like all the different weird, <laughs> quirky characters that seem, like, so specific to the late 60s and just, like, that whole vibe of, like there's something happening in the air that you like you don't even know like i don't know it's one of those movies where i'm just like god living through the 60s must have been the weirdest fucking thing ever and i don't <laughs> i can't even like wrap my mind around it um but yeah I, I like i really like uh josh brolin and uh martin short and i makes me feel like it'd be nice if Benicio Del Toro showed up in more movies. And Queen Phoenix is pretty good. He maybe mumbles a little more than I'd like. But, uh, yeah, I I don't care if it's on the list, really. I like that all the characters ate disgusting food all the time. It was a night, like, 
the, the pizza they're eating in one scene has like marshmallows and gummy bears on it. And they go to a seafood restaurant and they ordered like the most disgusting sounding food imaginable. And uh, Josh Brolin ma- makes a meal out of something that should not be a meal at the end of the movie. It makes the whole movie worthwhile. Please don't spoil it. Okay, <laughs> respect that. Let's move on to Interstellar. Uh, it's about spaceships that go for time instead of just space. Yeah, that's what freaks me out about this movie. I almost, at the end, I wasn't sure if I liked it just because the concepts that they tackled were so huge that they just scared me so much. I was like, <laughs> this is too scary. Just like, I mean, just the fact that you, you're on this planetoid or something, like, oh, you, you, you fucked up. Eight years went by. Like, Tw- shit like that. 20 years went by. I mean, at one point. Yeah. Holy shit. And that stuff, it just blows my mind, but it also makes it really, like, the, uh, the, um, you know, if they don't, if they fuck up, then there's a very small window for successes. I guess is what I'm trying to say, and that, the tension was high, the stakes were high. That's what I was trying to look for, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. and that's what made it so exciting. Just uh, and, and I feel like that kept it exciting uh, for a a long a long enough time. And uh, visually, it looks really good. A lot of people say like, oh, this is like. The 2001 of our time, which is a pretty retarded thing to say, but I I do think uh, it, it definitely reminds me of like kind of Spielberg. Like it, it does seem like something by one of the greats because I think the, the the characters are. I mean, I I enjoyed the characters. It kind of reminded me of a Spielberg type relationship between the the father and and daughter. I don't know if, if I'm just feeling that or something. But it's not like not as good as like The Dark Knight. But it's not as good as the Dark <laughs> biggest complaint. And like it's like like Dark Knight's so good. Like I just like don't get it. I don't like Christopher Nolan fanboys. They're they're weird. Is that what they do? Like they just compare everything to the Dark Knight? I don't think so. But that well, like there was just like I saw a lot on Facebook that was just like like it's not even as good as the Dark Knight. <laughs> it's like what do you want them to make like the best movie of all time every time like. <laughs> I don't understand. I loved Interstellar. Because, yeah. I mean, like, I listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson's show every week. Like, I am all up in that physics stuff that I don't understand. <laughs> I, I just, I, I ate it up. Well, they're on the bleeding edge, right? Like, a lot of this stuff is just based on what people think maybe it's kind of like. Like, Neil deGrasse Tyson can't even put a lot of this movie on blast because, like, he, we don't know. You can't yeah, fly in a black hole. <laughs> yeah. And I just, like... When they fly into the freaking uh, wormhole, I was like, that's what it looks like. Like, that in my mind, that is exactly what I see when I think of that, you know? Mm-hmm. I thought it... Uh, and, like, this, the, uh, the practical effects really stood out to me. I think that's why people think it's so 2001. Not because it's, you know, as good or like 2001 at all. It's just like... When the spaceship's spinning around to lock in and Matt Damon's like, doo, doo, doo. you know, it's like... Yeah, yeah, I remember that part. <laughs> yeah, but like the spaceship looks so cool and it looks really real. You can tell it's not CG. So, I don't know. I, I really liked all the... Uh, I was all about all of it. Like, yeah, that time stuff like blows my mind and I was so excited for someone to use that as a tension builder. Cause like I felt so bad for that black guy that sat like sat there for twenty years, yeah. and they're like, "Why don't you just go to sleep?" And he's just like, "I don't know," because that's super depressing. 
Yeah, it's like a certain point you don't want to just sleep your whole life away. It's like holy yeah. crap. And I, and that to me was also one of the most powerful scenes in the movie because it, it the right after they meet up with him, they go and watch their entire the entire lives of their children. It's yeah. Oh my god. Ugh. Devastating stuff. Yeah, I like. There are parts of that movie that I can explain with science that are really dumb, and I like the spectacle and the the sheer power of some of these scenes overcomes that for me. Which you know, it's hard. Like Skyfall yeah, couldn't you, even do that. You guys in your hating on the fake science. It's not. It's just like okay. So why did they need a giant booster rocket to get off Earth, but then on the planet with mega gravity, they can just fly off into the spaceship? Like, how does that work? It's a good point, actually. <laughs> I never thought about that. Once. <laughs> These are the things that are popping up in my head as I'm watching the movie. I'm like freaking out. Like, is, there, is anyone like, going to say this? Should we? I stop feel like that movie? happens in a lot of Christopher Nolan movies where he takes on something so ambitious that there's bound to be mistakes. But you're having such a good time because it's so ambitious that you're willing to overlook the little those little things. Yeah, yeah like they they. I don't know. I feel like they need booster rockets on Earth because that's what we feel like it looks like on Earth. <laughs> And they don't on alien planets because that's what we know what it looks like on alien planets. Yeah, well, the Enterprise, from all the the movie, Enterprise from, didn't need it in Into Darkness, so... Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, speaking of special effects that are fantastic, how about the Lego movie? Is that a, even an animated movie? I don't know. I mean, it's CG. I wasn't sure when I saw it. Because I, I think it's it's got some... Does it have some stop motion think, stuff in there? I, that's what I've heard. It's, it's a mix of stop it's motion a little bit. and CG. Which I don't know, like the, the way they present that is like it's all stop motion except the faces, but that that can't be the case. But I feel like you would nominate a stop motion movie for an Oscar, that, anyways. Wasn't like the Fantastic Mr. Fox nominated? Is that yeah. what? Is that their excuse? I don't know, or no, it's just I, like not as good as the Box Trolls or whatever was nominated. <laughs> I don't know what they did. Nominate. No one seems to know why it was not nominated. It's a shock. I maybe it's some sort of politics thing. Who knows? Um, but well, is it because like there was non-animation at the end? Oh, yeah. Maybe it was something could. as arbitrary as that. But uh, it's really dumb, though. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> They're just being jerks. But regardless of what they say, I had a good time. It's definitely a movie that adults can enjoy. I think the last half, especially with the live-action bit, is where an adult, I feel like, can appreciate it more than a kid. You know, how it kind of tackles conformity and our, you know, how we live our lives. Like, that is pretty insightful for a movie. <laughs> yeah, <Legos>. it kind <laughs> of reminds me of, like, the Toy Story movies where it's like... Yeah. You make it about such a simple thing, but like through that simplicity, you can kind of point out sort of more profound things about the way adults live their lives. Yeah, trying to find your place in the world. Try not to be a micromanaging dick as an adult. <laughs> I like the fact that it includes a lot of things that a kid would know too like the Batmans in it and and like superheroes Shaq and Shaq and just like old Lego sets do little kids like... know who Shaq is? maybe he's the funny maybe. man from Twitter he hasn't been retired that long has he? yeah but like what like 8 year old like remembers Shaq in his prime probably none but I mean that's that's why 
I like this movie, and I'm sure a lot of other people like this movie. Yeah, like it works. It doesn't talk down to kids. It's got a more sort of irreverent adult sense of humor, even though it's PG, probably. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I was surprised, like, one joke that I thought, is like, is that kid appropriate? Is, uh, I think they're flying in what, Batman's jet or something, and he's playing, like, a song. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> darkness, dead parents. Well, that's pretty good. I don't know, just this weird emo-ish song. <laughs> I was like, do kids like that, too? Dead, a song with three singing about his dead parents? <laughs> Super rich. Guess that makes it okay. I heard – I'm not sure if this is true, but I heard Lego Batman is getting his own spinoff movie, mm-hmm. which is the weirdest thing I ever heard. I think it could work, but it's not going to be easy. Does he have a know. TV show? I, I, there's Lego show – TV shows there's, probably. There have been like four Lego Batman video games. i can tell you that right now. I mean this does feel like a – like <laughs> – unexpectedly good thing that gets yeah. spun off into lots of not so good things. Here's a thing. Who would have guessed that uh, two movies starring Chris Pratt, one of them based on a comic book no one gives a shit about and another one called The Lego Movie <laughs> and they both make our, our list of nominees for best movie of the year. That's nuts. It's, it's a big year for that guy. Yeah. No one saw it coming. But I couldn't think of anyone who deserves it more. Sure. He's a good guy. What about Rob Riggle? (laughs) I love Rob Riggle. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I would love to see Rob Riggle get more success, but he doesn't... I don't know. I just can't imagine him having the same kind of widespread He just keeps getting stuck (laughs) in jerk rolls. He, He can do so much more. Did you see that little sketch he did before the NFC Championship? I did not... (laughs) <laughs> where he's trying to decide whether to date like a Seahawks woman or uh, you know Packers woman the Seahawks woman was uh, Aisha Tyler well if I remember funny. to that thing you know three hours from now when we're done recording this I will look that Jesus up <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is listen up Philip Nancy I don't know I haven't seen the rest of these movies great Bring it back up there, future Nancy. Guess the plot. Oh, listen up, Phillips, about this kid named Philip who won't fucking pass the ball. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, he passes the same like two kids over and over again. And like, there's this other kid who scores two points a game, and he's like, listen the fuck up, Philip. I'm gonna knock your shit out if you don't pass me the ball. And it's rated R. It's language. <laughs> it's super realistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> super realistic dialogue. Sure, the, everything about that was right. Metaphorically, if you assume that other kid is Elizabeth's boss and the other kid on the team that he passes it to is Jonathan Price. And one of them is a clone of Philip. Metaphorically. Wait, I don't, metaphorically we or don't literally? don't talk about this. God metaphorically. Because he's, he's all about himself. And then you immediately unsold me on it. I'm sorry. I need clones to be clones. Mm, no, there's no real clones in Listen Up, Philip. 
what makes it good enough to be on your list? Um, this is a brave question. <laughs> I, you know, I just liked it. Powerful stuff! <laughs> Good God! <laughs> well, I know it's not on top of my queue. I, I just want to move on to a movie okay. other people Well, have I have seen. seen Love is Strange. Nancy, you remember what that one's about? Yeah. What is it? Well, you can't just I... say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Okay. What was the movie about? I don't want to do it for this one. It's, I got nothing. It's uh, it's about two elderly gay gentlemen uh, who are finally given the chance to uh, get married after being in a committed relationship for a long time, and uh, it immediately throws their life into turmoil um, due to circumstances outside of their control, and. Uh, it's pretty much just uh, they 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 end up having to move out of their apartment, and they, while they're looking for a new place, they live separately. One of them with their friend, uh, and another one with their family. Um, and it's about the it's, it's sort of like a fish out of water thing for these two guys who have gotten very used to a specific lifestyle and trying to adjust to their new circumstances. But it's mostly just about watching two really really great actors. Do their thing, and those actors are Alfred. Dick Solomon and Doctor Octopus. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Their most famous role, probably, probably their most famous roles. Yeah, Frasier's in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> Frasier is in this movie. Nice. My brother's version of Frasier. If you have, yes, <laughs> I think everyone has their own of who version. Frasier is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mine. Shed all over the place today. <laughs> your cat. I'm just gonna guess you're talking about your cat. I mean, I got it right like, away. Just, uh, it's just funny anyway. Not like your roommate. He's <laughs> your own version. Andy Richter is my version of Frazier. That's that, that makes sense for some reason. I don't know why. But I feel like it Uh, I remember after we saw this, Shaw, you made a comment about the end of this movie. Did you like how this movie ended? Because I really liked how this movie ended. I feel like it ended and then it went on. Yeah, you I liked how it did, did that? that. I didn't see it coming, but it had this weird sort of symmetry and grace to it that oh. is like most movies would not do this, but it's like it it doesn't do anything overt enough to think that this character would be where we leave it off with, but it, like, kind of makes sense. Since the movie's like, I don't know, it's just about the cycle of life and how you really never know where it's gonna go. Okay, if, if you're trying to tell me it's it's more of, like, a almost a torch-passing thing, I'm okay with it. Yeah. But it's, like, not... it's. It's not like beating yeah. you over the head with that idea of a torch passing thing. I, I hadn't thought of it that way. Head. I thought of it more as like they had taken this character uh, who was not a main character at the beginning of the movie but kind of grew and grew in importance and then at the end of the movie they're almost like, now he's the real main character. And I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. But if you're telling me that like it's not really about him... I don't think okay. it's really about that, him. That's good for me. 
This, okay. I mean, even even despite that, which that was a complaint that I'd kind of forgotten that I even had. This was almost on my list. Uh, I really mm-hmm. liked it. I think I gave it four stars on the blog. I actually wrote about this one. Man. And I, I just love that last scene where they're at the yeah, bar. Yeah. Like, after the whole movie of them being separated and then, like... I don't know. It felt like a thing I'd never seen in a movie. Like, a conversation about two older gay guys, like, talking about having gone through the 60s and 70s and having to, like, live with this thing of being a homosexual. Most, like, they're guys sharing, like, old war stories or something. Yeah. I don't know. That was cool. Cool. Maybe not the word I would use for that scene. But, yeah. <laughs> Probably not. But, you know, there are only so many words. But yeah. They're two really great characters. <laughs> really broed up. Uh, yeah. Wish she got to spend more time with. Uh, and wish they got to spend more time with each other. <laughs> uh, Mistaken for Strangers is a documentary. Like, do you hear about this one, Matt Carsons? It's a documentary. Ugh, I spoiled it for you. <laughs> um, that is something so it's like about... Like, it's just about, like, everyone ever who's ever mistaken someone for someone they know, but they're actually a stranger. Like, <laughs> they did a lot of research, and it's just... A, it's a hundred thousand hours yeah. long. No, it's longer than that. They it's do, like, recreations that. of a, a lady yells, Hey, Ruth! Ruth! And then the, the lady turns around, she's like, My name is Susan, excuse me? And then they, like, interview both of them about how they felt. It goes on. Basically, yeah. you thought you saw Bile. <laughs> what? Billy. <laughs> In oh, Ellensburg? Well, I saw that guy, too. Exactly yeah, he looks like exactly him. like him. I remember I asked him one time at Jack in the Box. I was like, is your name Billy? I, I also <laughs> saw that guy at Jack in the Box. <laughs> I think we were together. Okay. <laughs> was his name Billy? No. But he, God, he looked just like him. Well, maybe next Bio time. Might, Bio might have been fatter. I don't remember. Times have changed. <laughs> and that's what this movie's about. What have you been talking about? Um, Staking for Strangers? <laughs> you guys really yes, like this movie. I did too. I guess it was just like, I always feel weird about putting documentaries on my list. Just, just They don't ever quite do that's it. That's why they have their own category. Yeah. Uh, I really, really, really responded to this movie. Um, see a lot of myself in the main character, uh, who just so you know, Nancy is he's it's uh, the brother of the lead singer of uh, the band The National. Oh, I I remember Colin talking about this movie. Uh, yeah. I don't remember talking about it to you. I remember someone talking about this movie. All right, let's assume it was me. Oh, I'm going for all the glory once again. Because I'm a cool guy. <laughs> Probably was. Uh, and so, like his, he's just, he's just a slacker. He's not really doing anything with his life, and so he ends up deciding to go with the band on their, f- I believe it was their first European tour, right? Okay, no. No one's, it was, it was, a tour. It was the High yeah. Violet tour. I would have thought they would have gotten a European um, tour for whatever. And he's going to document the experience because he, he has kind of a, a aspiration to be a filmmaker. Uh, and some of the funniest parts of the movie are, are when they cut to his, the movies he'd made before <laughs> this. Um, 
for the documentary, which is supposed to be about the band and this tour, quickly just becomes about uh, you know him filming himself in uh, the various hotels and on the tour bus and just on, on this journey. Um, and like when they show us interviews, a lot of it is showing how bad he is at interviewing subjects as much as it is showing them answers questions. But of course, yeah. they're interesting too because he comes up with like weird questions to ask musicians. How famous do you think you are? <laughs> uh, and then by the end of the movie, it's about um, this family and all these people that care about him, kind of rallying around him and encouraging him to make something much braver than he ever intended to do, which is make the movie into a documentary about himself. To, to like literally make the movie we're watching. Uh. And it really, I, it just worked for me. I loved it. It was a fantastic movie. It was my number one from the day I saw it until literally New Year's Eve when I went and saw Whiplash, and it finally, I liked that more than this. It was my favorite for a long time, too. I think one scene in particular that stuck with me is one of my favorite scenes of the whole year is when uh, at the concert... Uh, what's his face? Matt is going into the um, the crowd, and his brother's following him and holding the cord, and then they go all the way out into the lobby. There's just something with that scene that's really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're working together in that way, and I don't know. It's just that was a great that was a great scene. And I mean, it's just funny too. But yeah, it's also like the most emotional, at least for me, movie I think I saw this year because it's real. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is real shit. Yeah, there's 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 a part where one. Uh, uh, gig goes really bad for them and he and they're filming Matt right like right after that like as soon as he gets backstage and it's pretty intense it's much more intense than I would actually think anyone in the national gets <laughs> but I guess they do have some yelly songs oh yeah yeah it is possible that maybe it resonated with you two guys more since you do have brothers and you know <laughs> about that dynamic so intimately and i don't think about it but i don't know know. maybe it's possible maybe maybe that's maybe that's why i liked boyhood more (laughs) because he has a sister in that movie it's possible also just a good year for music movies with uh, this and frank and whiplash good stuff yeah how about some of the bad stuff something with bad music Uh, oh god There's any horrible <laughs> blemish on Nightcrawler? It's a score. I, yeah, I can't remember the last time I loved the movie so much and just just hated the soundtrack. The soundtrack tonight, Nightcrawler is a very creepy, unsettling kind of taxi driver like movie. But the music is like something from like like that Kurt Russell movie Miracle or something, or like some shitty Dennis Quaid movie. You know, it and and they play it in a couple scenes that I feel like with a, a different kind of music, like it would be so scary. But instead, it's got this weird inspirational thing. And on one hand, I can imagine, like, oh, well, maybe they're trying to do, like, you know, like, it's ironic or something. But no, it, that doesn't even work on that level. Oh, but before we get into it, Nancy, did you see Nightcrawler? It's the one with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Do you know what he's doing? He's, like, being a badass. <laughs> sort of. He's, uh... Like, I guess maybe since you work in the news, like, you could look at what he does as being badass. No, I think you would be, like, specifically, you would be very offended with... Who, me? Yeah. Because it is about, like, how, sh- oh, how shitty TV news is. 
Oh, yeah. Well, no, no, no. I'm not offended. I know how shitty TV news is. <laughs> like, it's something I deal with every day, because, like, you know, working in a newspaper, the TV news in Yakima just takes our stories and then reports them wrong. <laughs> like, that's how they get their news. But, um, yeah, I mean, I saw trailers for this. I just heard wasn't turned on by it at all. I just... it's, it's an off-putting movie. Like, even while you're watching it, you're like, this is just the worst character to be spending time with. Uh, not not like that he's a bad character, that he's a sociopath and a horrible person. You know, yeah. the good bad. I mean, yeah, he's like this freelance video journalist who... Oh, mostly, that's a generous title. Yeah, I mean, he videotapes violent crimes, but, I mean, to the extent of where he'll, like, sort of interfere with a, like, a crime scene, or he'll just, like, go into a house where a bunch of people have been killed and just sneak around, and, and to the point where, like, he could be helping, but it's not, like, he doesn't really care. Like, he's just trying to get, like, impressive shots and stuff that's dramatic, and then when he takes it back to the news station, it's like, yeah, they'll they'll post the dramatic stuff, uh, you know, way over, like, over any of the useful stuff, you know, they're all about just ratings and everything, and it's very creepy in that respect. I love, there's one scene where they say to one character, so, can we air this? And the guy's like, do you mean ethically or legally? Because <laughs> uh, ethically, it's, you know, it's just, you know, absolutely not. But they're like, yeah, fuck it. Put on TV, we'll get the ratings. <laughs> they're just the worst. Oh, yeah. And the last half of this movie, uh, that's the most thrilling to mm, me when mm, they're mm. watching those guys in that fast food restaurant. And, 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 gosh, and one one problem with this, another problem with this movie is the fact that Jake Gyllenhaal like drives eighty miles per hour like everywhere he goes and never gets pulled over. I mean that makes it exciting because he's always racing to the next location. But like, is that just how people drive in Los Angeles? You yeah, just drive like eighty nine miles per hour everywhere <laughs> you go and no one gives a shit. Well, it's like you get so many <laughs> few chances to like drive fast because you're always stuck in traffic that when you see an open road, it's like. Just fucking go for it, man. <laughs> Actually, I think the, that shootout that happens at the end of the movie wasn't that far from where I lived <laughs> in North Hollywood in L.A. Yeah. Dangerous place. It's a dangerous <sighs> world. Great movie. Um, Still, Alice, is that even out? Uh. Or, or wait. Do you just go, eh, because you disagree with the great movie? <laughs> it's, it's fine. I just, like... It did take me, like, not until, like, halfway into the movie for me to, like, get into it where it did become, like, more exploitative. Because, I don't know. I, did, I didn't really like hanging out with that character that much. And it wasn't until, like, I don't know, things got amped up that I sort of started to like it more. I don't know. It's a right. it's a fine movie. I, I didn't get to hear Nancy's plot okay. synopsis. Of what? Still Alice. Oh, what? Um, still Alice. She's not not Alice, if you know what I'm saying. Is this like Alice in Wonderland, like, way later? When it's, like, she's just come way down from her high? Yeah, and they're like, her mom's like, Hey, I need you to pick up some milk. <laughs> and she's like, Mom, who do you think I am? She's like, well, you're still Alice. No matter how much time you spend in prison. <laughs> that sounds like a good movie too. 
Did she actually spend time in prison, or is that the excuse she uses to her mom about why she was gone for so long? No. <laughs> and like her mom's mom, okay you didn't hear anything, but I was reason. in jail. No, prison. <laughs> prison. It was a whole to do, Ma. Yeah. They're all Jewish now, too. Yeah. Right? My Alice is She's a little more ethnic. And all they eat is okay. tuna. Okay. <laughs> uh, but very briefly, this is a movie about a linguistics professor who gets uh, early onset Alzheimer's. And I just thought it was interesting because I hadn't really, at least I couldn't recall seeing a movie that delved into Alzheimer's like this. Uh, and that first Planet X movie with James Franco? Oh, the, the couple of scenes with Dick Solomon? Yeah. With Frasier. <laughs> with Frasier? <laughs> I wouldn't say that really, like, explored it. Those couple of scenes with (laughs) Frasier. It's more of a plot device. Um, But, yeah, it was just really interesting to me and really scary and kind of sad, too, to just kind of go through uh, with someone, you know, that experience of what that could be like. And I started reading the book recently, too, and it's pretty similar. I got to stop reading books that are really similar to the movies because, like, I've, I've seen all this. Uh, but it's 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 just kind of interesting to explore what's going through um, someone's head when they have to go through such a terrible thing. And I think Julianne Moore gives a great performance. Uh, I think she's the front runner uh, for Best Actress, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I think she definitely deserves it. I think that's a big part of why I like it is is the performance. So when I hear about this movie, like to me, it just reeks of that like made to TV movie type, like. Just hail Mary. Maybe this will get some Emmy or something. Type. That's movie. fair. That's fair. But I don't know. I mean, the person who wrote the book was like had a background in neurology. I think it's they generally wanted to like talk about this subject and like this is something that I've learned about and that I wanted to share with the world about how hard it is for these people and what they have to go through. So I think there is, it does have that look. I think that you're talking about. But I think there is, it is a labor of love. See, so, um, so it's, it sounds like you're saying, from a script standpoint and from a performance standpoint, it's it's far beyond like what you'd expect for that kind of movie. Yeah, I mean, I think so, but yeah, it definitely has the look of, of what you're talking about. Um, it's not like the most exciting, uh, like sh- like it's like in terms of how it's shot or presented. Uh, but I think the story and the performances underneath all that uh, make it interesting. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, cool. Nancy, can you tell us a fairy tale now? The tale of Princess Kaguya? Hmm? Uh, you know, the, the tale of Princess Kaguya? Oh, man, I hate this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a personal relationship with the princess. I don't know. It's hard to make up plots when all you have is a name of a person. Yeah, yeah but it's a... And so the you fact you're giving that it up? is a tale. I'm giving up. God I don't damn have it. A, I don't have a solutions for all of these. <laughs> <laughs> that is what they are. They yeah, are solutions to these immense problems. This is an animated movie. Um, Isayo Takahata of Studio Ghibli fame, Grave of the Fireflies. And it's just based off of a Japanese folktale about a bamboo cutter who finds a girl in a stock, and then she grows, and uh, he's like, she's special, she's got to be a princess, so we're going to raise her as a princess. And it's kind of her life from this very humble forest 
uh, humble beginning to uh, becoming a princess. So wait, they're just like she's got to be a princess. Well, the thing is, they they know something special. There's something special about her because first of all, I mean she she like grew and she like ages really fast. So she's they already know she's magic. So it's established she's magic. But then later, he uh, is going through uh, the bamboo fields or whatever you call the bam the bamboo garden. Let's call it the, the bambooery. The no, it's called the bamboozle. <laughs> He's going. Th- <laughs> I'm going to go with bambooery. He's going through the bamboo. And yes, he, <laughs> this is important. He finds gold um, in another one, and he takes that as a second sign because he first he thinks of something special. He's like, oh, I think she's a princess, and, has gold, and then he finds gold. He's like, oh, definitely a princess. <laughs> <laughs> and just so you know, this is James Con doing the uh, the voice. I saw the American dub. Actually, what's funny is the the voice of her parents. Or the uh, parents from Elf. Oh. Yeah. And uh, I think she is Chloe Grace Moretz. A great American cast. They always, Studio Ghibli always does a great job of getting um, American actors to do all, all the parts. Like good American actors, people we know. And it's just a very charming movie. It's kind of sad here and there, and it looks really pretty. It's this, this weird watercolory kind of style. I think we'll turn some people off because uh, it's very sparse, but at the same time, I think some people will really enjoy it. It's very pretty. And there you go. That's it. Great. Now for the sequel to Fast Five, we've all been waiting for Top Five, <laughs> where they finally hit the highest speed possible. Also a sequel to Top Gun. <laughs> it's, it's one of those backdoor double sequels that we all have mentioned. <laughs> it's right up my alley. All right. Given that ammunition, what do you think the plot was for this time? So, I've never seen Top Gun, so I don't know. Oh, I've never seen Fast and Furious either, so... <laughs> I feel like I know a lot more about it since Sean does unspeakable things to those movies. Yeah. I'm what they call a fast static. <laughs> so this has got to be about guys that steal jets, right? <laughs> Top five. And then, like, race them, or just race jets? No, but they steal them, but they don't know how to fly them. <laughs> so it's like this, it's this underground jet racing. <laughs> They're just crashing the, crashing the jets. It's like a yeah. Theft Auto when you crash a jet. The... <laughs> <laughs> it's like driving the jets on the streets then? Yeah. Some of them are. Some of them are like, going well, no! Up. They just drive them wherever they find them because they can't get them out of there. So they just like break well, they gotta break into the military base. Yeah. And the military, there's, you know, there's some guy probably played by Fraser or something, and he's like <laughs> a military guy. He's like, oh god damn it! That sounds like John Lithgow. Yeah, but he's he's just <laughs> wondering why these people are breaking into military bases all the time successfully. Yeah, who does that? I can't even get into the military base in Grand Theft Auto Five. I have no idea how to go in there. Like, it's impossible. You just gotta commit. You could have you done it? I think the way I did it the first time was I flew, just like that crop duster plane you get, like over yeah. it, and then I skydived in. Yeah, but then they kill you immediately. It's oh like, yeah, they kill you I, immediately unless you got a game plan. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Top five actually is about uh, Chris Rock. Well, oh, this movie! I forgot about this. Never mind. I know this movie. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I'm... I'm <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, I guess it's been getting a lot of Woody Allen comparisons. I think, Colin, you even made one in your little write-up, didn't you? 
I made one, but I don't feel like it's that many. Maybe. Maybe I'm just thinking of you and also the Ken Levine blog. Are those the only two <laughs> those, reviews those, you read? You know, those are my main two critics these days. <laughs> okay, well, that's not bad. Neither of them are professional critics, but it's Both okay. of them hate baseball. <laughs> sure. <laughs> It's a comedy movie. It's uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, it's not afraid to just go and talk for a while about social issues and it's just kind of bullshit. Um, I think that's really what I responded to. I just love really fast-paced, sort of smart, funny dialogue. Like I, yeah, I love the scenes that are just of like Chris Rock and Rosario Dawson walking down the street or. You know, Chris Rock getting shit from all his relatives played by amazing black comedians. And I don't know, like the stuff about showbiz and commenting on that is it's fine. I guess I like all the digs at Tyler Perry and stuff. But more I just like, I don't know. Yeah, I loved all the people in this movie hanging out, just being funny. Are there any digs at, there any give- digs at like Adam Sandler? Adam Sandler's in this movie. Oh, yeah, movie. but are there any digs at him? A little bit. You know, like gr- like like grown-ups, basically. Mm, not specifically. Yeah. Jerry Seinfeld's in it, and he's great. He steals the show. Oh, man, I gotta see this movie. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I th- you'd like it. What? One of the better comedies um, of the year. Definitely. Not a lot of comedy. Yeah. Not really. Guardians of the Galaxy is like the first movie I saw. (laughs) Probably thought this was funnier. Um, Yeah, it's it's not a perfect movie. It's kind of messy. It tries a lot of different things, but like, I appreciate it, especially coming from Chris Rock when he's like made so many bad movies. This one actually felt like an extension of Chris Rock, the comedian. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, want me to talk? Sean, did you, you said you just watched yeah, Under the it. Skin? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about it? I feel like... Wait, are we not... Does, Nancy, are you going to take a shot at this? Or are you? did you opt out of these? <laughs> I'm just like trying to move towards the finish line. So well, but I know, I know you have some idea of what Whiplash is about. So this is kind of like your your last okay, this your is, last this chance. Is my, your yeah. last hurrah. Okay. So this is about a movie. It's like super. It's, it's about super a movie. realistic, and <laughs> it's it's basically like a guy wears another guy who's still alive. Uh, like Meet Dave. <laughs> what? <laughs> John B. Dave is not super realistic. <laughs> oh, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> a lot of flaws in that. Movie. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like he's where he's inside him. Okay, so like are they the same size? No, one's way bigger than the other. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> the one on the inside? You'll have to pay me twelve dollars to find out. <laughs> so the end of Nancy's such a reasonable <laughs> price. <laughs> 
<laughs> is only available uh, to Mildly Pleased Premium members. You can download the app from the <laughs> App Store uh, and enjoy that content. It's only on Google Marketplace. It's only on, as, yeah. When I say App Store, I mean Google Marketplace. <laughs> what even is Google it's, Marketplace? It's just a wasteland. It's a hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> scum and villainy. Under the Skin is... You know, it's weird because you. Ha- I feel like you have a pretty good idea of what's going on, but you don't actually know. Do like, you? What's going on? Like, you yeah. you get what she's doing, but you don't know, like the mechanics or the purpose of what she's doing. You can just kind of see the action unfold. Um, it's sort of like a sci-fi thriller. Um. I feel like if you're going to call it a horror movie, you can only do that because the score is so good and so terrifying um, that it just elevates it to, like... I don't know. What about that scene where they're, like, floating around water and there's, or whatever that is, and there's, like, the bodies in suspended animation? Uh-huh. You're telling me that's not scary? It's, it's pretty... It's pretty scary. Like, what do you even do with that? <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, insane. Yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things that kind of defies genre. It kind of has a lot of things that are it uses as jumping off points, but it's kind of an amalgamation yeah, I mean, of a lot of things. I, I rewatched Eraserhead this <laughs> year, and it kind of reminded me of that, where it's a movie that just has so many strange things going on, and it definitely leans on sound to put you in just like this weird place where you're like not even sure if you'd like it, but it's like there's something sort of <laughs> enchanting about the strangeness and the darkness and I don't know. Takes you into a weird place and I appreciated it which I did not expect. It's I mean I have a lot of oh yeah, Sean, go you go ahead. Uh it's fresh in your mind. Well like to me my problem with this movie okay, first it's the movie's really, really well shot. I feel like that's a really generic thing to say. I don't know. We've only said it 15 (laughs) times, so... It's... It it takes an interesting view on the world because everything's told from Scarlett Johansson's point of view, and it's... She's probably not human, or at least not right now. Yeah, she's using more than 10% of her brain. Uh, Yeah. Um, and it, it makes the like just common things like going to the mall seem strange and weird. And you know, I hear that a lot of this movie was actually like they just went and put her and a camera on the street and went with it and filmed just regular people. That's crazy, but I guess you can get away with that if you're wearing a wig. People won't recognize you, Scott Johansson. <laughs> I mean, it probably helps you in Scotland. Uh, it's, it's got this great score and I think she's really good first of all she's surprisingly good British accent I feel like anytime an American actor gets to do a British accent it's a victory for us that's why Robert Downey Jr. is our greatest actor because he got to play Sherlock Holmes and uh, yeah like on, on that te- like technical level I really respect this movie there's, there's some really trippy you know like very 70s sci-fi style special effects you'll you'll see like the beginning of the movie is this weird like sort of phallic 
thing going into a hole. But it's just it's just colors in space, and it, it's, you can't even explain what it is. And then there are, there are some scenes that are shot with the character in either like a totally white room or a totally black room, and the stuff that happens there is is jaw dropping. And the thing is, like, <laughs> like, you don't know. Like, the way you pitched this movie to me originally was like, oh, she's just an alien. And it's like, when you watch this movie, you don't know what she is. She's so, <laughs> She could just have this weird power to make guys walk through weird, dark rooms. It's like, you're not even... <laughs> you kind of just have to make whatever reason you can of it. And I don't know. It's rare that a movie can do that and like actually make me not think that it's full of shit and that it actually makes me sort of grapple with what's going on. But uh, it, it definitely it takes a it's another movie that takes a turn. Uh, this movie it's when she picks a victim that she actually feels sympathy for, uh, and they go out of her way to show how unsympathetic a character she is right before this. Um, so it's a big turning point, and and suddenly she's in this different situation, which I, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm sorry, Nancy. It's just my way. I don't want to do it. Uh, I mean, literally, you guys have been talking about this for 15 minutes. I have no idea what it's about. It's hard. You're like, well, she's like, not a thing, but I don't know. That's all She She saying. goes cruising around, and she seduces dudes and takes them to this room where she submerges them in some goo, and horrible things happen to them. Well, and they think oh, yeah. they're gonna they have think sex. It's bone with time. <laughs> they're all they're all naked. Nice. I don't know. What you'd like to see. Yep. It's pretty weird. I don't know. If I, I like think this you movie. would not. I have like a lot of movie. admiration for what I think this movie is trying to say, and the way it does it is in a way that I've never seen. So just that, it, like, kudos to that. But this movie makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Uh, that. I, I, for one, am not a fan of that score. I mean, it's creepy, but it gets, it's so droning and, and nightmarish. And it, I guess maybe that's what it's supposed to do. But, like, the, the scenes with those guys, that one I was talking about where they're, like, in suspended animation, that's really scary. There's that scene where there's that uh, those people that get left at the beach. Remember that? Like, that's just really sad. I, I just – when I was watching this, I actually wanted to leave the movie theater. I was so uncomfortable but I was like, I'm going to stick through it. And at the end, you know, it stuck with me. Like, I was like, wow, there's some interesting stuff going in there. I'm not sure I enjoyed watching the process. But thinking back on it, I don't know. Like, it's very... Just... Uh, I, uh, the, it scares isn't me. Isn't that what you go to the movies for? I suppose. For? You I want suppose. To feel you want things, to feel things. Feel things you've never in felt In certain before. ways. And it, it, it took a, an approach that really made me cringe. <laughs> so I do think, like... It might be a movie that would be more enjoyable watching it at home alone, which is how I watched it instead of in a theater. I, I don't know. Maybe that had an effect I mean, on it. I don't know. I'm I don't in a know. movie theater and that, that deformed guy shows up and you're like, where's this going to go? I don't want it to go where I think it's going to go. I mean, scenes like that. It just I didn't want to see what happened next. Uh, but I did. And uh, but and I guess at the end I'm I'm better for it. But <laughs> it was just a difficult process to go through. I like how at the end of the movie they flip the script and uh, kind of do to her what she had been doing to people in a more horrible way. In, well, and also in a much less horrible way, depending on 
if you're about the the bean sort of or the end result. Um, but I I like that the uh, that last that last guy we meet. He's definitely someone who like knows his sci-fi movie tropes. He's seen the thing. He knows what you do in that situation. He's not fucking around. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that guy's probably a horrible person. Finally, I, I already gave it away. The last movie we nominated was Whiplash. It's about drums. Nancy, you should probably get around to seeing this one. I know. I want to. It's just like I can't see it anywhere here. I know. They gotta work on that. We did get the interview, though. Fine. <laughs> Which I didn't see. <laughs> well, it's going to be on Netflix, I think, this weekend, next weekend. Yeah. Whip, whiplash? The interview. No. Oh. <laughs> Unfortunately. Well, never mind. Um, it's about this uh, this young man who gets into this prestigious music program. I mean, he says it's the, it's the best music program. In the world. <laughs> Is that basketball you're watching? Uh, and anyway... Um... <laughs> that's not... That's not something. <laughs> what? Yeah, what? And anyway, he... Um, he, he gets into the, like, the best program, too, like at the school, where he gets to work with their, their best, uh, I guess, conductor... Uh, who's played by J.K. Simmons, um, and it just ruins his life because the guy pushes everyone to their breaking point and well beyond it. See, I feel like I feel real uncomfortably, uh, really uncomfortable with this movie just because, like, it's so mean and awful. It is an uncomfortable movie. Uh, like, he says some horrible, horrible things. Um, I don't. I think the message of the movie is very complex because I think they are like, portraying his character as a bad character, but I don't think they're condemning his method completely either. I think they're kind of saying that he's sort of right. He's just a horrible person going at it in a horrible way. No oh, man. It's it's a very <laughs> kinetic movie. It's, it's full of blood and sweat and tears and drumming, just like they're drumming all the time, nonstop drumming. Uh, and few few Paul, few Paul Reiser breaks. Yeah, you, you know, just when you need them, <laughs> bam, Paul Reiser. I think he's usually sitting down yeah, in most of his scenes. <laughs> just taking it easy. Because no one else in the movie and the, is. The thing that, that stood out to me, and, I'll, and after this, you guys got to talk about it, uh, is because it was like everyone's, you know, top three at least for everybody. Um, was the that like a lot of the soundtrack is just the same like two songs being practiced over and over and over, and it never gets boring. And then I don't know how they did that. And 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 at the end, they make it such a triumphant thing too, where it's like so great to hear that song. Well, I don't know if they ever do. Like they don't play the entire song all the way through, until the really, end, yeah. until the end. Like a lot of it is, is is snipped up, and you know, it's a very manically edited movie. I think, and I don't. 
that may have something to do with it. It might also have to do with the fact that you're sort of zeroing in on that drum part and what he's doing in the context of the song instead of like you're not paying as much attention to the song as a whole that may have something to do with it but I just like that like it is a movie about sort of creative drive and how much you're willing to put into yourself to be a great artist and like drums is such a great sort of visual embodiment of that because it's like it takes everything out of you not just mentally but physically and emotionally and uh, yeah there's just something really intense about watching him put his entire being into doing this thing that maybe he can't even like do maybe he's not really that great but man so so you don't think this movie would have been as good if it was about trombone I don't think character so. like Ray Horton. I guess like there are only so many close-ups of a guy's puffed-up <laughs> cheeks that you can really lean on, <laughs> and like you're not even supposed to puff up your cheeks, right, Nancy? That's not good form. Uh, more for trumpet, yeah. What? I thought there's that Although, one trumpet guy. His cheeks were like ten miles long. Dizzy, yeah, but yeah, Dizzy Gillespie he's did not it. Supposed to do but that's because he's that's because he's yeah. Dizzy Gillespie. He can do whatever. Gillespie, but um. Gillespie, I more see it. I more read that name than hear it spoken aloud. But I mean, the, like you have Dizzy Gillespie on one hand, and then you have like Peter Williams on the other hand. So, <laughs> best of both worlds. Like I'm a better trumpet player than Peter Williams, and, and I'm a bad trumpet player. I don't know why we had to bring this up. We're just putting it off there. No, shout out to yeah. stand-up comedian podcast friend Peter Williams. I want to know if he's listening to this. I want to know. Peter, if you made it this far, I respect your commitment, my friend. Yeah, you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) So mean. It's more mean towards us. (laughs) I don't know. We're just dicking. You're just dicking now, my friend. I'm just dicking. I'm on a dick. I'm on a dick spree. Straight dicking. Dick Dick spree. We've been doing this for two and a half hours. Dick spree. That sounds like a poon song. <laughs> I want to do dick spree. I want to do dick spree. All I want to dick spree. All right. Just going on like a... Okay, let's, let's not... We gotta, we gotta let's chop not talk about that. these fuckers off, man. Well, chop off... Wait, do we uh, have to? Chop... You know, the ones that we said yeah, could be like chopped off. Kaguya, Still Alice. Calvary. Calvary. Listen up, Philip. Because it's not about basketball. Pass the ball. Don't hog it, man. When's that going to be a movie? Yeah. Our sixth grade school play. Seriously. Uh, you could take inherent vice off. Probably edge yeah, tomorrow, right? I don't think. I guess just get into it like I did I, I think like I liked it but uh yeah so we've got four extra movies on our list right now uh I, I could probably take top five too since it was only on my list and kind of on the lower okay. end Birdman gut check did it work for you guys yeah, I liked it, but yeah, wasn't wasn't on my list. All right, 
I think we probably, I guess we just got to keep movies that were on at least two of our lists. Okay, so if that's... No! That, that <laughs> makes the most sense to me. That's fine. Which I guess that would mean... I just, I just want to point out that one of the best reviewed of the movies of the year. Just saying. But yeah, take it off. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. We, we've got three movies, right? They were only on one person's list. And we have 12, right? One, two. Boyhood, Donald Planet of the Apes, Gone Girl... Yeah, we, we have twelve, true. and of the of those twelve, Under the Skin, Love is Strange, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, That's true. we're only on one person's <laughs> list. Um, what? Yeah, you could take Love is Strange off, I guess. You did say almost it almost made, made your list, list, but uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is pretty high on John's. Uh, I don't stop talking about lists. Don't worry about this. It just makes it easier. No, it, doesn't. it doesn't. I think it does. You know what doesn't make it easier? Playing basketball in the background. Just saying. Yeah, I think it makes it a little bit easier. It does. I can't concentrate. Neither can I for two and a half hours. the ball. Well, you, 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 you don't, really. So. Okay. Dude, if, if you just... If you need to go, if you need to take a little potty break or something... Just keep going. It's okay. <laughs> I'd like to have you here. I'm gonna need your input. What do you? Th- I went to the bathroom during listening up Philip. It's cool. <laughs> you didn't miss anything. I didn't even like talk about it. <laughs> There's a good time to go. Yeah, I guess. I'm just glad I was here for the Peter Williams thing. So there are, st- there are 11 movies left. Again, uh, still three that were only on one person's list. Donald Planet of the Apes, Lego Movie, Under the Skin. Uh. I feel like of those three, Under the Skin probably is the one that has to stick for me. Unless you just found it so gross, John, you could. You it sounded like it. everyone hated that movie. Like I didn't, that I didn't great. hear anyone say a positive thing about it. I, I, I probably I'm talked sure negatively about it, but I liked it in. <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't like it. So you can take it off the list. Yeah, you don't like it. You don't need to see it, and I know you don't like it. So shall I be? Shall I bump under the skin? I just told you. All right, I'm I'm sorry, Colin. I'm I'm under orders. Nancy's law. Okay. So we got um, just to recap: Boyhood, Dawn of the Apes, Gone Girl, Guardians of the Galaxy, Interstellar, Mistaken for Strangers, Nightcrawler, The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Lego Movie, and Whiplash. Those are ten. We got to put them in order. Uh, you can put the apes one first. I'm pretty okay. impressed it made the list. It made the list. I'm pretty <laughs> happy about that. I liked it a lot. I'm very happy. I, I can't wait to watch it again on Blu-ray. Saw that movie and I was like, <laughs> I'm surprised I like that movie a lot. Um, I go Lego movie next. All right. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Get the ones that only made one list at the, at the bottom. That's smart. Then I don't know. I don't really care. I'd go, I'd go Nightcrawler next. Sure. Okay. Buda- and then Buda- I don't really know. Budapest Hotel. Budapest Hotel. <laughs> Interstellar. I am both mine and Me and Sean both had it at. Wait, do we have it at the same number? Sean, where did you have Interstellar? I feel like at? it was around it was number seven, seven right? on both your that lists. Sounds accurate. So it's got to be seven, right? So put it okay. seven here. can't argue if it's both seven on our list or if it's around there. I don't know how high I want Gone Girl to go, but I mean everybody saw it, so that's a big plus. 
And everybody liked, everybody liked it, it too. but it was all like around the middle of our list. Yeah. I think it was my number 10. I'm guessing that's... Uh, okay, never mind. Who's like my six? Okay. It's maybe Sean's Yeah, it was five middle issues. Four. Uh, I think it was six. I think for me, okay. uh, Gone Girl and Mistake of Strange... Not a Mistake of Strange. Grand Budapest are kind of hovering around the middle for this for me right now. I mean, if it was up to me, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, and if it was up to me, it'd probably be Boyhood. So. I'm playing to the wrong crowd, yeah. Okay. Uh, Let's see if we can make a deal. <laughs> I actually, some, something feels right about putting Gone Girl at number six. Sure. Okay, I'm going to do it. And. Guess you could put Guardians yeah, of the Galaxy I think next. It made because I acknowledge that there's parts of the movie that aren't good, like the plot. And that's usually important <laughs> to most movies. Um, sounds like it's got to be Grand Budapest next. That's the vibe I'm feeling, and no one's saying anything, so I must be right. I can live with that. Yeah. Alright, I know how this goes. We don't have to talk about it. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. Whip, uh, Mistaken for Strangers is going to be number three because it's on both John and my list. Boyhood will be number two because it was your number one. And then Whiplash will be our number one because it was pretty high on all three of our lists. I could definitely live with that. I'd hate to think Colin couldn't live with this list. I don't, I don't think there has to be a debate. I don't... Just gets in his jet and crashes into the city. <laughs> well, not the city, just like 200 yards down the runway. <laughs> <sighs> Do they die every time? What do you mean? You crash a jet? Yeah. I mean, do all these people die, like, immediately? In the theoretical oh, top, top five, five movie? Um, is it the race to see who can survive first? <laughs> Short movie. Because yeah. no one knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, they're just pushing. Well, the movie's still... The, half of the movie's just trying to get the jets, because it's really hard. They, they can't figure it out. No, that's... Try to get over that's that That's a fence. plot hole. There, it's really... <laughs> it's a plot hole to get the jets easily? Yeah, it's really easy to get the jets. The movie just opens with them, like, like in the jets, and like the military goes like, Hey, get out of here! And they fly. Yeah, <laughs> Frazier's like, Hey, get out of here. He's like, you think people night. know Fraser is John Lithgow? I've been trying to. It is if we remind them every time, which I think we. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a. Not a lot of people are going to make that connection intuitively. Mm-hmm. It takes a special mind. <sighs> so, finally, after a whole year of movie watching, we have our ten favorite, not the ten best, our ten favorite. By aggregate uh, movies <laughs> of 2014-2014-2014. Number 10 is Donald Planet of the Apes, number or DAPA, as John called it in his post. Uh, number 9, The Lego Movie. <laughs> like, how did that happen? Number 8, Nightcrawler. Uh, 7, Interstellar. 6, Gone Girl. 5, Guardians of the Galaxy. Number 4, 
The Grand Budapest Hotel. Number three, Mistaken for Strangers. Number two, Boyhood. And our number one movie of the year, Whiplash. Probably the hardest movie on this list to actually see. I'm so sorry. I feel like those critic douchebags who put out their top ten list of the year. And it's like, I didn't even hear these movies. They came out in L.A. for three days when I was on my Thanksgiving break. And it's like, god damn it. Why do you do this to me? I don't get screeners. I don't get to go to press screenings. Why is so hard? Ugh. Uh, anyway, thanks, Peter, for listening. And uh, <laughs> check us out at mildlyplease.com. Uh, hook us up on email at t3 at mildlyplease.com. Hook us up on email. <laughs> it's like hook us up with whatever you got. If you got some screeners for me so I can like get a head start on my 2015 movies. E- email them to Email him. them to me. <laughs> um, they're gonna have to be heavily compressed to fit into my inbox, but uh, you know something's better than nothing. Uh, and you know, go check out mileyplease.com to see our our individual list where we have our, our write ups. Some of them are funny, some of them are heartfelt, uh, some of them were last minute, and it's up to you to decide what's what. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you probably with a pitching no with our next with our most anticipated of the movies. Most anticipated movies of the year. I'm tired. See you guys next time. Star Wars. Get up, get up, get up.